0: 5 4 3 2 1 And welcome to the SF in Translation podcast. I'm Rachel Cordasco. And I'm Daniel Hauser. And we are recording uh, on Saturday, October 5th, 2019. And we will be discussing SF in Translation that came out last month, September. Um, and first, let's talk about what we've been reading. What, what have you been reading, Daniel?
1: So, I am currently reading The 10,000 Doors of January. Ooh. Um, and enjoying that so far. Um, and I just finished We Cast a Shadow um by Maurice uh, Carlos Rufen. Ooh. Uh, and yeah. So that I'll be writing a review on for Strange Horizons.
0: Very cool
1: and 10,000 doors of January by Alex Harlow I probably will put that on Skiffy and Fanny I think
0: Oh you know I've heard um, I listened to uh the Cood Street podcast um mm-hmm. and they um Jonathan Strand often talks about um Alex Harlow Are you do you like uh, is it like good stuff I, I've never read anything It is
1: him. I've I read a short story by her in Shimmer magazine Mm, back before, mm -hmm. a while back, and just really loved that short story. I don't even remember what it was, but it was the first thing I kind of encountered by her, and Mm -hmm. so that sort of cemented her name in my brain. Mm -hmm. And then uh, thereafter, I read some things by her I enjoyed some I weren't my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that this um, novel was coming out um, by Red Hook, I kind of jumped on the opportunity to to try to read that. And I think Paul reviewed it for one of the sites that he reviews for as well. Ah, but yeah. mm-hmm. I'm about halfway through it now. And so it's a portal fantasy about a young woman who kind of grows up in a house of a benefactor while her father's out like on archaeological missions for this rich guy. And hmm. there's, you know, hints that the archaeological kind of things that they're after are also kind of enter into sort of the mystical, magical kind of realms um, aspects mm-hmm. of it. And that's what she's beginning to discover. Um, and the the book is told from her point of view, but then also she discovers this book called The Ten Thousand Doors of January about like the existence of portals to other worlds. And so the book is split between those two points of views. And hers, at least, I absolutely adore. She just has a very strong voice mm-hmm. uh,
0: that that I'm enjoying a lot. Well, if it has to do with archaeology, I am all over it.
1: Yeah, they're both they're after like artifacts, basically, of other cultures. So it takes place, uh, you know, turn of the century kind of age, or right cool. after. So yeah, early 1900s. Oh, uh,
0: cool! I'm loving this more and more.
1: So yeah, I'm enjoying nice. the heck out of that, um, and. Um I also just finished The Monster of Eld. I can't say this word. I always want to say Elden, but it's Elendhaven mm. by Jennifer Geisbrecht. Um, and so that's a novella that was put out by Tor.com. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing I'll do that on a – um the Skiffy and Fenty booktube at some point. Cool. But it's – I mean, in the meantime, it's a great kind of gothic – um, horror-type tale to read, so it's perfect for, you know, the, the October season.
0: Yes. People break out the Halloween, I mean, so early. Yes. I swear it was like two weeks ago, we walked into the dentist's office, and there's this giant, fuzzy, orange and black tarantula thing <laughs> hanging on the wall. Yes. And I walked in and I was like, whoa! <laughs> like-
1: yeah, it was barely even... <laughs> into september and there was already a bunch of stuff out i know and today i just went to trader joe's and we were looking for these chips that are literally called like fall tortilla chips (laughs) and they're like oh no the season's done for them i'm like it just what is it even fall out like maybe it just turned forward will be soon
0: yeah i know (laughs) it's it's just not how is the season done for this i know and you would think that like since my birthday is four days before Halloween, I'd be all like, "Yeah, Halloween!" <laughs> and it's like I hate Halloween. Aww. But um, my kids have actually made me not hate it as much, so that's as why much. I'm pushing pumpkins. But anyway, uh, oh, oh, those are cute. Oh, thank you. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been reading ah. after all the things
0: that I have reading? Hmm. Let's see. Um, well, since uh, my youngest isn't really napping anymore, I'm not. I don't have nearly as much time. Uh, to read. So I am glacially making my way through Legend <laughs> of the Galactic Heroes, volume nine, which is called Upheaval. And, uh, I think last time we talked about, right? We talked about Heikasaru. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but then I found out not too long after that they, uh, are indeed publishing volume 10. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Before they go out. I mean, you know, um, and that's called Sunset. And, uh, yeah, I would really like to write something about, um, about the series for something. Um, but we'll see if that happens. There's such... Yeah, hopefully, we can. Well, I mean, like, you know, there there's such a weird, like, lack of stuff out there about Legends of the Galactic Heroes. Like, mm-hmm. not much written about it in terms of, like, you know, either academic or otherwise. Um very strange. I don't know. I mean, it's not like these books are not stylistically mm, complicated at all. Mm-hmm. They're a little strange in, in some ways too, but it's really not for the style. It's just for the story. Like it's a, like space opera, like by definition, it's on a massive scale. Um, the, the war. The war scenes in space are actually like some of the best writing. Um, but it's the fact, the way that it's written as a, I always love, and I know there, are, there are several other books out there that, um, that do this too, but I love it when an author is talking about something that happened in the past, like the person writing, you know, the, the narrator is uh-huh. like, I'm writing this book about something that happened way in the past, but the events of the book themselves are like 300 years in the future for us, you know what I mean? So, it's this weird like, you know, uh, temporal shift that you're going through where you're like, okay, the narrator is so far ahead of us um, and we're reading something they're writing like way in the future, but their past is still our future. And right. my brain just imploded anyway um uh, so that's
1: safe <laughs> so to do like, some Whoa. time gymnastics right s- have they have they adapted that into any other oh th- it's, thing? it's every like, yeah it's so it's been adapted into like a movie or a cartoon or something anime. Along those lines. anime i think yeah. so
0: because i think that's where like when it makes sense when you google legend of the galactic heroes it always comes up with like yeah with anime mm-hmm. and then you have to keep scrolling <laughs> To get to the stuff about the novel, you know, Uh um, and, uh, which reminds me actually, I have been reading, uh, bits and pieces of, um, this book by, that was put out by, uh, University of Minnesota Press called, um, Robot Ghosts and Wired Dreams. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is, uh, a really great kind of thorough study of, um, uh, written by, um, professors uh who have kind of broken it into like half of the book is about japanese prose you know just like um uh novels and stories and stuff you know um science fiction and um and then the other half is about the uh, anime and manga and how um you really can't understand one without the other if you're looking at it from American culture, because that's how we have absorbed so much Japanese SF is through those media, which is weird because right. I never read manga. And I I think I've seen one like anime movie. I mean, hmm. I, I just I never. Yeah, I have no idea. So I, I haven't either. I've never cared for them. So yeah. And a lot of people like it's that was like a huge part of their childhood.
1: Right. Yeah. You
0: know, so I can talk about like
1: particularly college students today. Yeah. Or at least of recent. I don't know about currently, but like maybe the past five years. Yeah,
0: and like Pokemon, and yeah. again, I was never into Pokemon. And then those um, what were they called? Those little pocket things that digital, like pocket things that that you had to keep alive. Oh yeah. I, don't I know. forgot. I don't know. I can't think. One of my friends had it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't understand what you're even <laughs> talking about. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, anyway, uh, it's just lots of Japanese SF going on. But I've also been reading the stories that have come out in September. Yes. So um, if uh, for listeners um, who have been looking at the SFT website – uh because you know i i always do the out this month posts um in the very beginning of the month and then as things change you know as publication dates change or as um uh as things come out i don't necessarily go back and add things back in so um the out this month september is uh lacking a couple uh, a couple of books so um i have here um a novel that came out in September before the coffee gets cold, uh, from the Japanese. And a collection from uh translated from the Hebrew called Fly Already, but also um finally <laughs> this uh this science fiction uh spelled F I K T I O N by Franz Fuman. Foeman? Not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, from the German has been like bumped 5,000 times, but it finally, a- according to the internet, <laughs> finally out, released. Finally came out in September. Um, it's kind of like a Cold War. I'm trying to remember what they, oh, it's, it, they say it's a, it's a steampunk takedown of the logic of the Cold War and it's like a whole bunch of connected stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from Seagull. And then, of course, there is uh, a highly anticipated book of uh, vampiric tales of blood and roses from Japan, from Kurodahan. Um and it's it's Japan's own vampire tradition. <laughs> nice. Uh, so cool. So <laughs> I I have that I have a copy of that. I'm so excited to read it. Can't read can't wait. So just wanted to- Do you have copies of any of the others? Uh no, I do not. No. Um, okay. nope, nope, nope. Because, you know, still people are like, uh I, I I'm like, Can I get a copy? A review copy people are like, Oh, you want a review copy? Oh, you know, your website is called SF in translation. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, shouldn't I be on your list, man? Your list, yeah. Whatever. Um I'm happy I'm happy to buy stuff too, so I mean, I I can buy a, a few a certain number of books before my husband starts saying like, excuse yeah. me." <laughs>
1: I actually I actually looked into uh, Fly already. Yeah, at Barnes and Noble today. Uh huh. And the price had me <laughs> hesitate.
0: What? Because
1: I. But- well, it's a small hardback.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a hardback. And so oh, yeah, it's it. a
1: hardback, and they're now getting they're like thirty bucks now. Wait a minute.
0: And Seriously? so if it's.
1: Yeah, i oh, forget well, it. I'm not. Well, buying like it. twenty, you know, twenty eight ninety nine. Oh, hell no. Which I'm all about supporting <laughs> authors and supporting publishers. No, but, that's,
0: but I mean, there's only
1: so much she can do, and.
0: No, that's crazy. When,
1: when it's <laughs> something, it's a short collection. It right? looks good, but it's when I think about it, it's like I'm going to spend maybe an hour or two reading it because oh. it's not that long. And that's like watching a basically the length of a movie is what what it'd be. And so that's <sighs> a lot to pay just to go see.
0: No, it really is. Like, like if
1: it was a huge hardback or something, okay. Right.
0: But, no, no, no. Yeah. This is a collection of stories. And like this this guy, like, I know the name, but I've never read him before. And I'm not paying thirty dollars. <laughs> For a collection of stories by someone I don't really know. Right. If
1: it were somebody that I knew, I wouldn't hesitate
0: as much. I will hand over the money. You know what I mean? But
1: (laughs) yeah, it's hard to just invest that when you don't really have a good sense. So maybe I'll find it at a library or wait for a paperback or it's
0: not even a novel. It's just, uh.
1: but it looks promising. It has. I mean, I don't always go by blurbs on books and such. But it has George Saunders on there right. talking about it. Right. And so I, you know, I do have respect for George Saunders um, yeah, he's cool. writing and such. And so I, it looks intriguing to me, but yeah.
0: Not intriguing enough. For um, so I was months.
1: hoping that you had a copy that you'd be able to like say, Ooh. yes, it is really good. And, and they're not but,
0: sending me one, I'm sure. Um, yeah. It's also translated by one, two, three, four, yeah, five, several <laughs> five people, which makes me like what really okay
1: i think it's because uh many of them were probably published before in right, um, right. literary magazines of various types is my guess and right. yeah you know you had different people publish or translate the different stories
0: and these are all these are pretty well known like sandra silverston um i've seen her name a lot uh jessica Cohn, of course um i'm trying to think okay if it was like right someone put out an omnibus of elizabeth vonneberg, which would just like i would die and then i'd come <laughs> back to go, life yeah. and i'd be like take my money take my money <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um that'd be great so yeah uh okay so in september there was one uh chinese story in clark's world uh a Chinese, uh, yeah, Chinese story and a Korean story in Samovar, which is always fun. Yes. And then four in, uh, Future Science Fiction Digest, um, from Russian, Chinese, Swedish, and Italian. Italian. Ugh. Future SF is <laughs> so good. Um, yes. So I had the chance to read The Clark's World, The Samovar, and one of the Future Science Fiction Digest stories i haven't read the other three yet um
1: same with me i don't know if i've even taken the time yet to get to per because i've purchased the issues mm-hmm. but i don't think i've got an issue for yet so i'll have to get that to be able to cover the other three stories yeah
0: the the other three will be out soon right um but it's over know, the
1: should... course of the next month or so right so get
0: when Zhang uh he was the one who wrote lord of rivers right
1: oh that i don't recall i remember that title but i don't
0: think that yes that was him yeah oh, okay lord of rivers um that was amazing so i'm i assume that um that, that you're looking forward good. to that one yeah, yeah that'll be good um okay so uh how would you pronounce it? Amerville, 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 Amerville. Yeah, by Bella Han, So translated from Chinese by the author. Um, in Clark's world, I am going to admit that I read maybe a third of it and then was like, boring, and moved
1: on. I started <laughs> skimming. I just, I don't know what it is with Neil uh, and liking stories that are bloated. <laughs>
0: So like, like it's what? just going for
1: a length or yeah. I It's
0: like 9,000 words, right?
1: I don't know as they say what the word yeah, count is the on bottom, the right? website. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Um normally I I read most of them on my Kindle, but because I read these well before I read to get around to reading the whole issue.
0: Yeah, this is um, 9,000 words. I don't words, see it as
1: easily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's really nicely written. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it has a, there's so it takes place a few decades in the future mm-hmm. and ava is this chinese woman and she this is a name that's an english name that's sort of given to her by her company and so i don't recall that we get her actual name okay but mm-hmm. she is you know living her life but really she's not thrilled or very involved in her own proper life she exists both at work and at home within sort of like the digital world within a dream kind of scape of avatars and, you know, um, artificial reality immersion. And in this, she is uh, also grown obsessed with this actor named Danny M. Amor. And she's having a hard time deciding if he's really a real person or something that's purely digital, but starts, you know, getting more and more obsessed with this, this person, this actor, this guy um, and living a life in sort of the, the digital realm that's associated with him, mm-hmm. um, to the detriment of her own life. So the, the thing that I liked about it is that all those words of the story do add a lot in terms of just details mm-hmm. about what the commercial and sort of landscape the, of this future society is. Uh, and the technology that they have, but at the same time, it really does move at a snail's pace, yeah, in terms of development <laughs> or pace, so the pacing has real yes. kind of issues, so I ended up skimming eventually because I was just getting so yeah, <laughs> it's like it's still going
0: well, like i said i didn't I didn't finish it, but uh, you want to hear what my favorite line is? what's that my favorite line in the story is what kind of freak would buy a life size sheep <laughs> yeah um yes. it it was yeah i mean it was just it was a lot <laughs> uh, okay um i just it's totally like the um the line from amadeus where they say it's too many notes it's just yes it's, it's too many <laughs> words i just and you know i mean you know me like i I was the kind of kid who was like, oh, we're supposed to read, you know, all of uh, Les Miserables in 10th grade on it. You know, like, I mean, it's just that, like, now where I have, like, even less time to read than ever, I just, you know, I'm not taking, I was just, it was just going on and on and on. And I'm like, nope, I just... I, I'm not going to spend more time because I'm already not, you know, and I really like kept going and I was like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. It just didn't seem essential to the themes of the story as far as I could tell from them, but.
0: I mean. Yeah. The
1: the first paragraph is actually sums up the entire story. Yeah. And so it's kind of like mm-hmm. read the first paragraph and you, you got it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's the first paragraph is beautifully written. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: the rest is kind of just added detail.
0: Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I think sometimes, again, I don't think length matters when it's a story that you're really like drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, I just, yeah. Um, but I did enjoy the others more. Um, I'd say I actually enjoyed. With each story I read, I, I enjoy them more. Um, mm-hmm. So the Samovar, uh, Samovar is published for two very interesting, yes, uh, very are. different uh, <laughs> stories. So uh, Guests from the Sky by Ji Yun, uh, translated by Yi Izzy Yu and John Yu Branscom, uh, was very, a very, very short story. Yes uh by about a, a thousand
1: words. Yeah,
0: yeah, and the author uh lived during the um 18th century, I think. Um Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so there's a lot of fascinating stuff. I I found even more fascinating than the story itself, the actual context around it, um which uh Strange Horizons um gives which is really helpful. So uh, yeah, the notes following it I found it more that.
1: interesting than the story itself. It's
0: so cool. So yeah, okay. So Jin Ji Yun uh uh lived seventeen twenty four to eighteen oh five. Um and he was a scholar and a writer and a politician and edited the King Dynasty Imperial Library. Um and he wrote like a whole twelve hundred pieces that were collected that were basically about his experiences with the supernatural and his investigations of um kind of supernatural events uh that his friends and family told him about. So, uh uh guest from the sky is from 1798 and it's just this like strange story about a a fairy who uh they kind of say like her her like Minions come and, um, and basically like jump on this guy while he's walking down the road. And they're like, we want to take you to our mistress. He's like, okay. And she, so they take him to the mistress and she's like, hey, like, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's like get together. And he's like, uh, no. And so then they send him back and then later like they get him again. And, and she's like, you know, much more humble. So like she's not like, First time she was all like blingy and, and stuff. And the next time they, they bring him to her, she's much more like humble and modest. And she's like, how about now? And he's like, all right. And, <laughs> and then it's like, that's all it took. And then, uh, next thing you know, he's like, uh, he gets sick and he dies. And, you know, you're like, uh, okay. But the note, the translator's note is fascinating because it talks about the counterpart, the Western counterpart to the, um, fairy tale tradition and then connects it to the, um, alien abduction, uh, uh, genre in the West. And I'm just like, what? Like, this, this is crazy. This is really interesting. So yeah. Classical Chinese fairy stories and alien abduction tales. Um, so I was, I, that was right up my alley. I really enjoyed learning about that. What did you think about it?
1: Um, I liked, well, it makes sense now because I didn't note when the author had lived, but it's written very much in a similar style to other sort of weird tales of that era from the Western world of like, a guy relating a weird letter he gets from a friend. And exactly. And then you end up getting relating all the weird shit that happened to that guy. Right. That's why um, I looked him up. I was like, so, okay,
0: Does this guy live? Yeah.
1: So it it sort of has that vibe to it, the mm-hmm. sort of like straightforward tale of, the, of a weird, horrific kind of thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after reading it, like I made the connections with fairies, of course, because they even put fairy after the Chinese term, right? Within the translation, but then as I'm reading the end, I'm like, oh, this sounds like an episode of Ancient Aliens now, where you just have the you know the equation of fairy tale mythology to mm-hmm. alien abduction and mm-hmm. UFO, which made sense because the whole thing starts with him seeing orbs in the sky, right? And yeah. they both in Western tradition and. Um, apparently, Chinese, there's a very strong connection between sort of fairies and what we now call ETs. Um, so it wasn't new to me, I guess. And so I found it interesting that that was also the case in China. Yeah. But beyond yeah. that, there, yeah, I didn't find the story to be like earth shattering or anything. No, 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 no. It was it, an interesting yeah. kind of, uh, yeah. Marker, historical marker piece or of cultural SFT marker history yeah, yeah. exactly
0: yeah. um well it it also is making me think of um I love these kind of inter uh you know cultural connections through you know that in history, mm-hmm. but also um one of the reasons why I love the Stargate series because it uh, brings together you know egyptology, you know ancient egypt. Uh-huh. And sci-fi, you know, like, right. I mean, yeah. it's like they, it's like, it's like they got A together. Match made in heaven. Huh? A
1: match made in exactly. heaven. Exactly. It's like, it's I like guess. they got, exactly,
0: <laughs> it's like they got together, these, these people and were like, okay, what can we make that would make Rachel basically just like salivate? Okay. So uh-huh. e- ancient Egypt meets science fiction. <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing the movie in theaters, the Stargate mm-hmm. movie, and uh, I was I was pretty young. I was oh maybe ten, twelve. Um, and we went because yeah, bro- one right. of my brothers wanted to see it, and oh my god!
1: Yeah, I loved the heck out of that. Mind movie. blown! <laughs> I, I actually just rewatched it recently. Yes. I don't think I've seen it since I was you know yeah younger. Whenever the heck I might have even been in high school
0: when it came out. Now I, I need to know uh stargate 94 or later 94 yes so i I, was 12 yeah Mm -hmm.
1: all right i was in either junior high or just starting high school
0: yeah it it made my mind go kaplooey um (laughs) but yeah so that kind of thing is super cool now the interesting thing the translators note is also that there is a book uh, from 1969 called Passport to Magonia from Folklore to Flying Saucers. And there's another book from 2016 called The Super Natural, Why the Unexplained is Real. These are very interesting. So this was just, yeah, I was not expecting this. I was just expecting a, mm-hmm. a story. <laughs> uh, I was interested in the content warnings.
1: Oh, I never even look at them. The
0: content warnings <laughs> no. are. Disregard for personal autonomy. <laughs> that I was like, what? what? De- then when I read the story, I understood. Abduction, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like death yeah. and dying and vomit. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's vomit, you guys.
1: Oh, uh, I can't imagine what the warnings were for the head then.
0: Right? Okay, wait. I looked at those too. I just looked on that. Let me see.
1: They, uh, yeah, Strange Horizons. Disregard for and these personal things.
0: autonomy. Blood. <laughs> Body transformation, childbirth, death, dying, and murder. Yep. Basically. So yeah, the head. <laughs> like the, I was basically, I can't read about like, I mean, okay. I've had three kids. They've <laughs> all been in diapers. I've potty yes, trained them all. You've seen
1: bodily functions. Yeah.
0: Bodily yeah. functions, man. Just makes me nauseated. But I read the whole thing because it was, I, I, I mean, it's a good story and, um, it is uh anton her is he's great um talked to him on twitter a lot he's he's a great translator, and I thought that this story was inter- almost kind of like a counterpart to uh guess from the sky, almost like a modern fairy tale. It was kind mm-hmm. of written like that too. it's like yeah, none of them have names, it's you know it's just like mother you know and son or daughter whatever um but yeah what, what did you think about the it? husband why don't you tell um, us what the head is about
1: i'm still thinking about it to, to a large extent um so yeah a woman is unfortunately i read it while i was eating lunch that was not oh, a good no, idea no.
0: um so a
1: woman goes to the bathroom and she gets up and is surprised to see this disformed head type thing peeking out from the toilet that begins speaking to her saying hi mother Basically calling her mother. Mm-hmm. And so she gets understandably kind of freaked out and tries to like get rid of it, but the thing keeps coming back and explains that it's like from her. And so it's of her creation and is being formed. And as time goes on, it's growing larger and larger and she just can't get rid of it. And so, yeah, at the same time, she tries to sort of deal with it by getting a husband and then getting but the husband doesn't really love her or anything. It's just kind of like she thinks the marriage will I I wasn't clear on how that related to somehow getting rid of this, you know, creation in her toilet.
0: I think it was because she quit her job, right? Cause she yeah, saw it at she, her job. Right. And then her family was like, well, if you don't have a job, better get married. You better get married.
1: Um, but then it kind of went away for a while after she got married and they were on their honeymoon and eventually she had her own actual, you know, baby and had a child. But that family never really had much of a connection with them either. So there's a lot theme in it of sort of like pain and rejection mm-hmm. um but how all of those kind of relate to one another within the sort of fable of this poop creature <laughs> that ends up basically taking her place mm-hmm. and then there's also the there's a theme of you know disregarding the old for the new yeah. Um and casting the old aside for the new. So there's like lots of interesting themes in there. I'm just not entirely sure if they all cohere together in it. Yeah. Um but the weirdness is like just dealt with so like matter of factly mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um that it's it's almost humorous in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I like the story a lot. I just still don't quite know what to make of it.
0: Yeah, well so I'm trying to find Okay, so a really great part is in the center, the middle of it where the daughter is a high school student and she's like, "Mom, did you see my uniform necktie?" and and mom's like, "Oh, I I hung it on the doorknob." And the daughter's like, "I'm Now this is a direct quote. Okay. Oh, by the way, I saw a person's head in the toilet yesterday. And the mother's like, did you now? What happened? I just flushed it down the toilet. Good. More stew. I'm good. But about that head, I think I've seen it before. It's just like this whole, and uh, yeah, every time she brings it up, like if she'll bring it up to her husband or something, her husband will be like, We'll just flush it. Like what? You know. Yes. <laughs> um, the, the two things that stood out to me, uh, were the first thing what you said about, um, replacing the old with the young, Mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I, I wish I knew more about, um, Korean culture. Um, I, I wonder if there's something in here about, um, you know, about, uh, like revering elders, you know, and, um, uh, kind of a, a shift in that with the shift, you know, that's been going on around the world towards cities, um, toward the new, uh, technology. Toward, yeah, the new and the, and the young, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to say anything that's, you know, just totally wrong, but like, um, I'm wondering if this has something to do with, um, with the culture, um, and, you know, kind of like what's been changing in Korean culture over the, the 20th century. The other thing I've, I've thought about, and again, I'm I can't extrapolate just from a few things, but this story, um, and then I read, uh, The Vegetarian by, uh, <laughs> Han Kang, uh, Yes. Kang, whatever. And then, uh, what was the other? Oh, yes. And then the collection, um, Flowers of Mold.
1: Yes. That she just reviewed.
0: Yes, I did. Um for that was for World Lit Today, yeah. Um right? Yeah. Um <laughs> it's, it's like wait a minute. Um yeah, so in all three, uh Vegetarian is kind of like it's a it's like a collection uh it's like three link stories. Flowers of Mold is just separate stories and then this is um a standalone story. And in all of them I have to say the marriages are not great. Like, yeah, it's often the man, the husband is seen is portrayed as very matter of fact and cold and distant, mm-hmm. and the women are the focus of the of the stories, and they're just kind of losing it. Like, <laughs> I mean, one seeing a head in her toilet, one is. Thinking that the neighbor is trying to replace her, and maybe she is, you know, uh, one uh, one thing she's turning into a plant. I mean, it's it's fascinating, and I wonder yeah. why that. What is this surrealist, bizarre, kind of funny but sad type style that we're seeing? How does that culturally link? Yeah, yeah. Like, why does that, why do we keep seeing that? Is, is this, is this what we're seeing? And this is written by a woman as well. Is this what we're seeing because this is what's being translated? Is this something that's larger, like in Korean literature? Uh, are women being published more in Korean literature now? Uh, it's just, there's so many questions I have. And I, I know Samovar, they do, you know, interviews, um, with mm-hmm. authors and translators. And I'm hoping that they will come out with uh an interview with either uh Bora Chung or anton um mm-hmm. about the story because I yeah I mean I'm, otherwise I ask think. him on Twitter because yeah, you know, well. he's yeah. so great um I just or
1: maybe he'll do an interview
0: <laughs> right yeah, yeah you know what I should just have one here yeah I was yeah. thinking like who should i uh I do need to do uh some more interviews but yeah this was this is fascinating i I really want to know what's going on in uh, Korean SF. I don't even know what to call right. it because it's not science fiction. No, it's... not it's, fantasy. It's the surrealist magical... It's like magical. fairy tale. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of... Yeah, I don't know. But that was Samovar. So good work, Samovar. They're just... Every issue is just... I enjoy.
1: They have things unexpected all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems so, yeah.
0: Are they the ones that said that they're they're having a Brazilian SF issue? Was that Samovar? I don't know. But from what I saw, or, or <laughs> I was it Remember at least. Or was a Strange Horizon? I don't know. Anyway, one of them said they were gonna have a Brazilian SF issue, but I wasn't clear if it was written in English. Like mm-hmm. if it was just from Brazil but written in English. Right. Or translated from Portuguese. I didn't see anything about translation, so I'm going to assume that it was just, uh, written in English. But anyway, that, that seemed pretty cool. Um, all right. So future SF digest, uh, high quality stuff. Um, so, uh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm totally going to have nightmares, uh, from <laughs> the building atop the hill. Yes. Uh, by Alexander Bacillo, translated from the Russian by Alex Schwartzman, who was also the editor um, of the publication. Yeah. Really? I No, this wasn't nightmare-inducing I'm inducing night- for me. You know why? Because cause there were kids involved. I hate oh, these stories okay. that have kids there. Like, yeah. And, like, bad things happen. I'm like, no! Because uh-huh. like, then I'm imagining what it would be like being there mm-hmm. and- it was just a chilling story. What, it is. What am I, What does it remind you of? Because I feel like something in the back of my head is like it's just like this other story, and I can't remember. Did this remind you of any of any like other novel or story? I don't know about anything in particular, but it, it, seems so it definitely reminded
1: me. Just in general, it it just seemed like a kind of generic post apocalyptic story of you know people struggling to survive or escape something when society breaks down
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: and just seeing like the the ugliness of lots of people and how they will take advantage of each other or how they like try to show themselves as being the one that everybody else needs now in this situation or mm-hmm. the try to prove their worth um uh, and sort of the desperation of refugees and such um so globally yet yeah, it, it seemed very familiar to me but yeah there's no like one story i could s- that i was like oh yeah it reminds me of that story
0: i feel like it might rem- be reminding me of um a strugatsky story oh, okay. or novel because this is very um it just has that kind of i don't know that kind of uh feeling to it of uh, yeah, like this, um, you know, I mean, the story definitely, you know, kind of stu- I, This, this is the story that said something about, um, about the building, right? About, yeah, yeah, Khrushchev's, uh, massive ho- housing projects. Yes. Um, these tall apartment buildings were called candles. And we learned a lot about these in my Russian classes. Um, and just about, you know, when it's kind of like the, um, uh post world war 2 in america uh what uh hooverville where there are all these well not hooverville i'm sorry um what was it where they were throwing up houses so so quickly and they they gave them some sort of nickname there's just so like so much housing that they uh-huh. were just like putting them together like crazy so so and they all kind of looked the same and stuff um so this kind i could picture it because i was like okay mm-hmm. this is like one of those places yes. um and what i love about this story is that you don't know what's going on they're just they're like you know passengers and then they're like something about refugees and you're like oh like what does that mean? And and you still don't know what's going on. And then they go. Yeah, because at first
1: it's just this couple with a kid right. sleeping as they ride the tram through the city.
0: And you're like, uh. oh, I, and and so then the the boy has to go to the bathroom. Or yeah, yeah, and then like they're oh no no okay they go into that that building, and it says the lobby was covered in graffiti, simple messages, and you're like whatever graffiti. Um, and then they say, uh, someone else, someone plus someone else equals a heart skewered by an arrow. Uh, and then they mention the aliens. Of course, the ubiquitous death to the aliens. And you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And that just reframes the entire thing. Yes. I thought that was beautifully done. I just, I love because you're like, death to the who? Like, and you never meet, you know what? I know why. I know I remember the yeah. you never meet the aliens. No, correct. Very Strugatsky. Because it's not,
1: it's not really a sci-fi tale. No, like, it's it's, it's just a tale about people. And it's just, right. you know, the sci-fi, it d- doesn't even have to be aliens, it could be anything, really.
0: It's this feeling, I feel like it's almost like a cosmic horror, but without the, like, gross, you know, Lovecraftian creature. Yes, you know I mean? yeah.
1: Well <laughs> where it kind of goes towards the end though too, you definitely then have like, yes, that has to have the Yeah. There's that cosmic aspect to it that is there, yes, correct.
0: I like ah, uh, I mean this I had such a visceral like reaction to the story that I was just like thinking like how awful it would be. And then I'm thinking like, uh, these these people just have one kid, like can you imagine if you have more kids, you don't and I'm just like, I can't even think about this. It and was, some of the people there left their kids behind. horrible. was horrible. And, was, yeah. It's so disturbing. Um, But it's a great story. Now, I am going to ask you, and you need to give me an answer. Are you ready to give me an answer? I need to know.
1: <laughs> before you do that, the one thing I just wanted to say was that I'm glad I started reading it before realizing or seeing that the whole issue of future science fiction digest this this issue yeah is apparently just about alien invasion yeah
0: that's because true. it it was nice not knowing that yes. as i began the story but yes is okay very good point here's my question <laughs> uh okay so spoiler so for anybody who hasn't read the story um <laughs> i'm about to spoil it uh did the building just like blow up is that what it i mean it's not actually a spaceship right
1: I think it leaves it completely open, at least from my interpretation that it could be (laughs) that, and I, yeah, I like the fact that it, you can (laughs) kind of like them, they're, they're faced with this choice and well, they're faced with no choice. Right. And things don't seem quite right. Like, Uh. is this really going to get us to space? Is this really going to be our escape? And there's kind of, like, rumors going around of what it is or who's trying to save them, but nobody's really certain. And so I think that's kind of what's wonderful about it, that you can choose to believe that, yes, they're all going to be saved, or you're going to choose to believe that, like, yeah, they're all dying.
0: (laughs) Well, see, here's what made me think that it's probably the latter, because Mm -hmm. they said – Cause otherwise, why else put that other story about that guy leaving his family behind? They said something like, for every two people that a human kills. Yes. They get to survive.
1: They get to, yes.
0: And I got the sense that the, the, um, what did they call him? The manager, the guy who was super, super, that, I got the sense that he was packing as many people into the building. Into the
1: building to save yeah, others. As, yeah. well,
0: as like a, um, yeah, or, or, you know, or like his offering to the aliens. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, like, it was very, I was like, no, don't end. <laughs> don't.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So that was great. Um, mm-hmm. and like I said, uh, the one by Wan Zhang is probably awesome. Um, and, uh, Davide Camparsi, um, is available in English. Um, he, I haven't, I don't think I've read anything by him, but, um, he's one of the kind of few Italian SF writers who, um, is is available in english and um michael uh colbert does a lot of italian sf translations now um he does a good job so i think this is it's gonna be good it'll be good yes okay um yeah so those were the stories
1: i did get um some other ones from tshak Mai. Mm -hmm. And one of them I did want to point out. And so it'll be in the reviews that I sent to you to put up. Okay. And so it's titled A Ladder to the Moon by Naoko Oa, translated from the Japanese by Toshia Kamai. And it's in an online thing that, like many of his stuff, I've never heard of it, but it's called Cosmic Roots and Eldritch Stories. And so it's a part of a series that they've done called Stories for Young People from 4 to 400. Hmm. And so this is apparently an author who's a well-regarded children's author of modern fairy tales. So kind of continuing our theme of fairy tales this Mm -hmm. month. Mm -hmm. Fairy tales are not my thing at all.
0: Yeah, Um, not really my thing either, yeah.
1: But this, for those that do like fairy tales, I want to point this out to you or to those listeners that do like that because this seems to be... A sort of classic Japanese fairy tale author that there is this translation of available now. And it actually, it seems like, uh, it's very, it flows beautifully. Um, and it also is accompanied by some really wonderful artwork, um, by, uh, by both old and modern artists. Um, and so it's about a young girl who is given a rabbit. And she's warned not to let it escape on the night of a full moon, for moons and rabbits are very fond of one another, and they might go off together. So, like most fairy tales, okay, sure, rabbits and moons like each other. Like, for me, that just is weird and makes no sense, but within the context of the story and the children's tale, it's a beautiful one. And so, those of you that do really like fairy tales, I wanted to... Uh, alert you to that and so a ladder to the moon and i i mean i do like rabbits and so i love <laughs> art and i like moons yeah And so cool. i
0: <laughs> i did
1: uh the artwork it includes some like um not tapestry what are they called uh, uh, etch- or- uh i can't even Prince? think of the term now Both well, some of them are prints yeah mm-hmm. but like the prints that are hung on the walls and such and both china and japan um screens yeah, there's some artwork from, hmm, cool. you know, older ones that are in museums and such in there to accompany the text of rabbits.
0: Well, this, 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 the title makes me think of um, Italo Calvino's, um, you know, uh, Comics and uh, his modern fairy tale approach uh, to, you know, to, I mean, he, yeah, I, that... I, I'm kind of, you know, as long as there's kind of some, you know, science fictional element mixed with a fairy tale, like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm interested. Um, But yeah, the, the fairy tale thing kind of makes, yeah, I kind of get like, okay, you know, when (laughs) when they don't even have a name, you know, like, although in this story, I I see that, that she does have a name. So that's good.
1: Um, (laughs) Yes. And the rabbit has a name too.
0: Rabbit, Oh, that's cool. Cool. Yeah. This is, uh, it's a very, uh, interesting month. Lots of fairy tale. Yeah. Fairy tale-ish stuff. Yeah. So October is looking, shaping up to be pretty good. Um, the only book I have coming out that I know of is, um, Sushi and Lu's Supernova Era.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I have to tell you, uh, I have now read <laughs> the whole three body trilogy. Uh Ball Lightning and Supernova Era, and I am a confirmed Sishin Lu fangirl. I love him so much. <laughs> he is so great.
1: Someday I really have to read just to see what all the ado is about.
0: Good lord, you need to. It is he oh I love I love it. I think you're gonna be kind of annoyed because uh ball lightning and supernova era are kind of like uh or especially ball lightning is like takes science and just kind of like messes around with it you know and and those of us who don't know who, who didn't really listen in uh-huh. science <laughs> class or we we're cool with it but it's like people who do know you know chemistry and biology and are, are going to be like what that's impossible you know what i mean so um people yeah people get really annoyed with <laughs> I can get
1: that way with biology sometimes, but, um, yeah, for the most part, I don't – I'm actually not one for hard sci-fi, particularly with – I'm all for bending the rules of physics and such, so.
0: Yeah, because, yeah, the bend. I mean, I'm cool with it. I love that stuff, but, like, people are like, oh, it makes no sense. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't? Like, I don't know. Um, But, anyway, I love him. Um, He's great, and I am on the, that train. Uh, and usually I'm like, if everybody likes something, I don't like it, but I'm sorry. I just, I love everything he writes. Um, and already we've got three stories from Clark's world. Uh, how many, one Chinese, two Korean, uh, something from the Spanish in the dark magazine. And, um, yeah, got some reviews up and. Yeah, there's quite a bit. Yeah. Um you know, uh, it's, this could be good times. And we're probably, you know, a lot of people are focusing on horror now, because of course, it's October. Uh-huh. I know something recently came out, uh, horror in women writing horror in translation. Um, and I forget the place, the site, and then also, uh, Speculative City, which is a webzine, um asked me to write something for them about the occult in translation. Um so that is up. I think that went up a couple weeks ago. Um and I basically wrote about um I didn't think there was much and then of course I started digging and I find out there's a ton um <laughs> of occult SFT. Uh but huh. the main thing I wrote about was um uh Rodolfo Martinez's The Wisdom of the Dead, uh which is a Sherlock Holmes meets Lovecraft, um, written in Spanish in the 90s and translated by Rodolfo, um, uh, recently and then, um, published, uh, last year. Was it last year or this year? Can't remember. Um, let's see, The Wisdom of the Dead? No, this year. It came out in March, uh, from Sportula. And yeah, so that was pretty fun. fun. <laughs> interesting uh to write about so if you're interested in that that's at speculative city and uh yeah we're getting all all kinds of good stuff coming out the rest of the year and uh, of course uh everybody needs to let me know what else is coming up especially in 2020 i already have that tab going the list is going two four six eight so far so very exciting uh yeah. So what are your uh plans for October? Anything specific you're excited to start reading?
1: No, nothing specific yet. Um I've got uh still a big pile of to be read and a big pile of reviews to write, so hopefully I can start catching up on more of those, but
0: Yeah. I hear ya. Um I like I said, I I'm finishing Galactic Heroes, Volume 9, and then I cannot wait to read the Japanese Vampire (laughs) Collection. That Uh, does sound interesting. So good. Uh, I love it. Um, just, yeah, good stuff. They, they know, they know what, what to, uh, like how to put, put these anthologies together. Um, and it's just great stuff. It's consistently great. So, I'm looking forward to that. So Japanese vampires. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's about it for now. Um, you, everybody listeners remember to, uh, send me all your recommendations and texts and tweets and messages about like, Hey, did you see, you know, the SFT in this magazine or that one? Like I can't check all of them. So <laughs> I look forward to everybody's, um, input for that and let me know what you're reading and interested in. Uh, you can get in touch with me um, at Rachel at com on Twitter at R-C-O-R-D-A-S, um, and on Facebook at the SFT page. And where can people contact you, Daniel?
1: Uh, they can contact me on Twitter at Read1000Lives, and they can find me at Canisius College as well
0: awesome and uh you're like you know you're a legit science person so i try you know, to be. <laughs> we got the legit science person and the literary studies person yes so we it's got everything team. covered yeah yeah, that, yeah you know, it works and if there's
1: publishers out there send yeah. us the books so that we can talk about the novels to, i mean wouldn't that not just sense? the short stories always right um <laughs> Just, yeah, right now I have a big to read pile, and though I do have lots of reviews now to write for SFT. Yeah. Uh my I have no SF to read at all.
0: Yeah. Well um, we'll we talk to so these publishers.
1: That, that's unfortunate. I did review Next Human though within the last month. Yes. And said so yes, that yes. I absolutely adored. So That was great. Everybody
0: read that review.
1: And I'm hoping to now I can actually do that in class in
0: the future too. So that'll be awesome. Yay. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening and happy reading. And we will talk to you hopefully next month.
2: Thank you for listening to Speculative Fiction in Translation, a member of the Skiffy and Fenty Network, hosted by Rachel Cordasco and Daniel Hauser. If you would like to contact the Speculative Fiction in Translation podcast directly, please do so at rachel at sfintranslation.com or you can visit sfintranslation.com. Additionally, you can find Rachel on Twitter at rcordas and Daniel at read 1000 lives. To find out more about the podcast on the Skiffy and Fanti network, please visit us at skiffyandfante.com. If you would like to support the network, you can do so at patreon.com slash Fanti. To keep up to date on everything that is happening at the Skiffy and Fanti network, please visit Fanti.com slash newsletter. The music from this podcast is No Disclaimer by Jesse Spillane. To find more about this music, please visit freemusicarchive.org.